It is the Father who gives us the true bread from heaven. This is It Was Found in My Heart. I'm Gary. My wife is Veronica. Say something, Veronica. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. What a sweetheart. And um, we're going through the line upon line. This is the part two of the conversation with Jesus and the disciples. And so what we're going to do is we're breaking down chapter six and we're starting that particular phrase. My father gives you the true bread from heaven is in verse 32. So we'll start there, but make sure above all things, I don't know where you, where you are, or what's going on in your life, but you're not alone. God's heart is beating for you. So we hope that this podcast is allowing you to increase in the knowledge of God, as well as increase in the knowledge of God's love for you. We will go on with verse 33, but actually let me say about my father gives you the true bread of life. And as you can see in 31, what they were thinking about, we talked about this on the last pod about um, their focus wasn't on all the other stuff that Jesus was doing, but on the provisions that Jesus would give. And sometimes we come to Jesus for provisions when we should just come for him because of his, his love for us and what he's done for us. Their request is another example of Jesus taking an earthly perspective and unwrapping it and revealing a deeper heavenly answer. They wanted bread that they would die, you know, not die from the bread, but that bread would not sustain their life forever. What Jesus is giving and what the Father has give, given to us through Christ is the true bread from heaven, which is, allows us to have eternal life. Same scenario that he gave Nicodemus with being born again. Born again to Nicodemus was being re-entering into the womb. But no, it was something much greater. Same thing he gave the Samaritan woman when she he says living water. You know, she was looking for water, earthly water, that she wouldn't thirst. But he was talking about living water. Here's another example of Jesus coming in the spirit of God. And so hopefully you'll understand that when you read the scriptures, you cannot receive the scriptures from a natural mind, a carnal mind. You have to receive the spirit by the spirit of God. It is the spirit of God that gives you the understanding. Because the Spirit inspired men, so the Spirit can inspire you to receive understanding. Can you read verse 33? Sure. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And that's Jesus. Right. And he said he the is, world. Mm-hmm, to the Right. Mm-hmm. Not for, and I think you, you, talked about it um, before about the people looking for the bread for themselves. Mm -hmm. But Jesus didn't come just on a selfish basis. That's more of a selfish basis. He he didn't come just for one specific group of people Mm -hmm. or one region of the world. Mm -hmm. He came for the world. He died for the world, Mm -hmm. for everyone. So the first time he did the uh, miracles of the loaves and fishes, it was 5,000. And then the second time was 4,000. And there was a number to that, 5,000, 4,000. 
But Jesus is coming and says, listen, I'm in the bread of life and I've come to bring bread, to bring life to the world. Right. No matter where you are, the purpose of Jesus is to feed you the bread of life so that you might live forever if you choose to. Amen. If you choose to. Verse 34 says, sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. So here we go again. Give us this bread. Concerned about themselves, concerned about food, what they think is that natural food again. Give us this bread. Um, can you imagine not having to go to the grocery store ever again? Because whatever you need is in your refrigerator and it never runs out. That is, it's constantly there. Fish, I need fish. Is there? Oh, I want some. I want some burgers. Is there? Pizza is there. Everything you need is there. They're wanting that kind of sustainability as far as provision is concerned, but they're not looking for a longevity. They're looking for it. They want forever, mm -hmm. but they just want him to serve them in that manner right. forever. And that's not what Jesus Christ came to do. <laughs> Amen. So then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. You have anything on that? On 35. Uh, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. I love it because he says, come to me and you will never hunger. So if you're looking at it from a, a earthly perspective, you think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling good. I'm hungry or a homeless person or whatever the case may be. You know, and he says, if, if you believe in me, you will never thirst. And so you're looking at it from that perspective and you are starving or you don't have provisions. You look at the third world countries, the things they're going through. He is not talking about that. Right. If you come to him, like he said, the works of God is believing in him. You believe in him, then you will never hunger and you will never thirst. I never saw the righteous begging bread, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I never you saw, saw the forsaken, forsaken or begging bread. And we can't, we see this in a physical perspective, but once we believe and trust in him fully, we understand that God will provide. Mm -hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto exactly. you. So there is a center of attention that once we focus on that, then we will not hunger. We will not thirst. Amen. Uh, verse 36, but as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Break you see down. me, you're yeah. standing right here in front of me and I told you who I am and you still do not believe what I'm saying. But yet you want me to do more and you believe less. <laughs> I find that really interesting too, that if we look at it real time, you know, and, and people says, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in God. And they know you. They know your lifestyle. They know you were out there clubbing with them. They know that you was out there doing all kinds of stuff you wasn't supposed to do. And then all of a sudden you come to this place where Jesus is your Lord and you come out of darkness into the moth's light. And so now you get around your old buddies and they see the change, but they still don't believe. You see me. You know me. You know what, what I was. You know the dog that I was. But you still don't believe. I'm telling you, Jesus is in the business of reconciling people back to God, changing lives that that looks like a mess. 
and making it into a message that sets people free. And you, and you know, I love that what the man says, you know, I once was blind, but now I see. So people need to recognize the fact that even before you, even friends that you have can see the change in you and still don't believe. And it's almost like these, they saw great things. They saw Jesus face to face. They could touch and handle them. The disciples said, the apostle says, but they still did not believe. Verse 37, all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Now, when I read that verse, um, I got a picture of a, like a magnet, a really powerful magnet and how it draws metals and things to itself, Mm. this powerful magnet. Now we know, I say now we know as if everybody knows, I'm assuming everybody knows, but magnets have like two different, what they call poles. And we can think of it like a North Pole and the South Pole. And we have heard the phrase opposites attract, right? Yeah. And it's like that with magnets. A magnet that is, let's say, turned on the North Pole, and you've got another magnet that's on the North Pole, it will not pull together. It pushes pushes away from it because they are of the same um, polarity. But if that magnet were to flip and the South end now faces that North end, then that powerful magnet will pull it to itself and it will cling to it. Mm -hmm. And so the picture that I got is like that with God. God is that, that powerful magnet. And here we are. We want to be God. Mm -hmm. We want to have control. Mm -hmm. We want to say what our life should be. Mm -hmm. And that's like two North Poles Mm -hmm. together. And it's like, it's, pushing is not coming together. Mm -hmm. The scriptures here said that all that the father gives me will come to me. Mm -hmm. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. When we see that we are a sinner, that we need God, that we are nothing without him, that he made us, he created us, Mm -hmm. we kind of flip. And now our south end faces God's north end and he because he's drawn us. Mm-hmm. Says no man could come to come to him unless the Father right. draws him. So when we make that decision that yes, God, you are right and I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I am a sinner and I need a savior. Mm-hmm. We have flipped our polar ends and the Lord draws us to him and we are stuck to him mm-hmm. and we become one right. with him. Right. That's, That's the picture that that I got from that verse. Yeah, that's so good. Um, the two verses Spirit gave me was when you talked about the, the opposites. When Jesus says, I didn't come for the whole, I came for the sick, which lets you know that he's whole, but he came for the sick. There's opposites there. Mm-hmm. Now he says that he that don't think he's sick, he doesn't come for, because like you said, they're going to, you know, they're, they're fighting right. against each other, conflicting right. each other. And those that are, are lost, not the ones that are found. If you feel like you're found and everything's good to go, then you're, you're going to be fighting with 
the Jesus Christ. But he says, I didn't come for them. Right. I don't even want to fight with them. I don't even want to push and, push and pull with them. Right. I came for the ones that know they're lost. And that's what we're going to be drawing. I love that example you just gave by the Spirit of yeah. God. It's a beautiful example of understanding um, God coming for the opposite so that we can be one. Go ahead. 38 says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So although Jesus could have come and could have made it about himself, he didn't. He actually had probably had that discussion with the father in heaven. I don't know. But he did not come for himself. He came to fulfill the father's will. And that that's what he did. And that's what he wants us to do from a let's look at it from a Christian or a believer's perspective. In John 17, 18, Jesus declares that he has sent us in the world. So God sent him. He declares that. And now in this prayer that he's lifting up before Father God, he says, now I have sent them that believe in my name into the world. And since he has sent us, shouldn't we have the same mindset he did? Our will is to do the will of the one who has sent us. Believing in him requires us to do his will if we are wanting to be his disciples. So we must be about our Savior's business as believers. Amen. Um, Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. So now he's telling us, explaining to us what the will of the one who sent him, right? Exactly. So the first thing, the first part of the will is what? Okay, so what I just read, Mm -hmm. and this is the will of him who sent me. That I shall lose none of all that he has given me. And then at the last day that he would raise all of those that was given him, he would raise them up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's that's the first will. And and so. So in verse four, do you think that's the, the core will of God? You know, like the main thing. I mean, this is what Jesus is saying. That all he has given me, I should lose none. He shall lose none. Okay. Yeah. That's the desires of God's heart. That's right. That he should all that he's given. All that is given, that he has given the son Mm -hmm. shall not be lost. Mm -hmm. If God has given you to his son, Mm -hmm. you are secured in him, Mm -hmm. in Christ. Right. And so there's a second part to that. Right. Right. So we get to that in the, um, in verse 40, it says for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And here we see again, and I will raise him up at the last day. So the first part is that all that the Father has given him, he lose, he, he will not lose. Right. The second is that everyone that believes on him, the Son, is going to have everlasting life. Mm-hmm. You know, And the byproduct is that I'm going to raise you up in the last day. So we, the will of God, if we want to know, and there's other scripture that talks about the will of God, but Jesus allowing you to know mm-hmm. what was the will of God for, for, for sending him into the world. And so if that's the will of God and he sent us into the world, would it be, um, could we say that that should be the will of Jesus who sends us into the world, that Jesus doesn't lose any and that the people that believe in him mm-hmm. 
should have everlasting life. Right. You know, so th- the mission statement is always about the people. He doesn't want to lose you right. because if you have everlasting life, he doesn't lose it. If you believe in him, he's not going to lose you and you will have everlasting life and he's going to raise you up in the last day. So that's the will of God. And I believe it's the will of Jesus who sent us into the world to make that known to the world is that this is the will of Jesus. This is the will of God concerning you. And I want you to think about that. You know, the, the thinking about this last part of uh, being about the will of the one who sent you. If you do not know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you probably don't know what we're talking about. But if you want to operate in this manner, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, repent from the sins. When you acknowledge him, you acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner and that the only way you can get out of that sin is through someone that was perfect in all his ways, who died for you, you know, on the cross. He took care of the sin. Now he also, all he wants from you is to say yes and amen. I am a sinner and I want you to be Lord of my life. And so from that perspective, then you can operate in the area and getting some teaching or someone to minister to you or a church that's nearby you to begin to teach you on what Jesus says. And just really, you know, understanding, I think the first and foremost thing, the first part is to pray to God and say, God, you know, I've I've accepted your son and I believe in him. Can you teach me Mm -hmm. what I need to know to live the life that you desire for me to live in Christ Jesus? So hopefully you, you want to trust God with that with your life. You want to trust him with your thoughts. You want to trust him with your words. And he will do a renovation in your life, like a born again experience, a regeneration, a renovation in your spirit that you begin to see yourself in a different way as you see yourself in Christ Jesus. So Father, I lift up everybody out there listening and I thank you, Lord God, for the word of God. And I pray that you will help us to be about our Savior's business, what he has sent us into the world so that the world will know that he was sent by you, mighty God, for a purpose and for a reason, to let them know that they are loved, they are known, and they are valued. So, Father, we praise you, we magnify you, we exalt you in the name of Jesus Christ. So y'all have a blessed week in Jesus' name. And we'll, we'll go through part three next week. All right? God bless. Yeah.